Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Doctrine and Covenants of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Even though this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally and historically accurate as possible. Every day a new section of the Doctrine and Covenants will be released. I hope that you'll visit this often and be able to share this uh, with your friends. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to the Doctrine and Covenants podcast. This will be for section 117, so I will read the heading for beforehand. Revelation given through Joseph Smith the Prophet at Far West, Missouri, July the 8th, 1838, concerning the immediate duties of William Marks, Newell K. Whitney, and Oliver Granger. When the Lord commanded that the city of Far West should be built up speedily by the gathering of my saints, the five years of retaining a stronghold in the land of Kirtland came to an end. The prophet Joseph Smith and others had fled Kirtland earlier in the year. On July the 6th, 1838, a group of 529 saints, known as the Kirtland Camp, made their exodus from Kirtland, Ohio, to travel to Missouri. It appears that only 260 completed that journey, the others having been scattered to the four winds. Conspicuously missing from this camp were Bishop Newell K. Whitney and William Marks. Both of these brethren chose to remain behind in Kirtland because they were concerned about securing their properties before leaving. President Joseph Fielding Smith said, It is quite evident that these two brethren had fallen under the spell of speculation and temptation, so rife in Kirtland in 1837, in which was the downfall of so many of the leading brethren of the church. Although the decision of these two leaders to remain in Kirtland would have been unknown to the prophet Joseph Smith, who was a thousand miles away, yet the Lord was aware of their actions. Two days after the exodus of the Kirtland camp, the Lord expressed his displeasure with these two men in this revelation and appointed Oliver Granger as an agent to transact business of church-owned properties. This revelation was one of four published in the Doctrine and Covenants that were received on the same day. Uh, the other ones are 118, 119, and 120. All right, verse 1. Verily thus saith the Lord unto my servant William Marks, and also unto my servant Newell K. Whitney, let them settle up their business speedily and journey from the land of Kirtland before I, the Lord, send again the snows upon the earth. This revelation was given in July, so the snows would come in a few months. Let them awake and arise and come forth and not tarry, for I, the Lord, command it. Therefore, if they tarry, it shall not be well with them. Let them repent of all their sins and of all their covetous desires before me, saith the Lord, for what is property unto me, saith the Lord. So what are they coveting? They're actually coveting their own property, aren't they? Let the properties of Kirtland be turned out for debts. Let the Lord, saith the Lord, let them go, saith the Lord, and whatsoever remaineth, let it remain in your hands, saith the Lord. <clears throat> for have I not? the fowls of heaven, and also the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the mountains. Have I not made the earth? Do I not hold the destinies of all the armies of the nations of the earth? Therefore will I not make solitary places to bud, and to blossom, and to bring forth in abundance, saith the Lord? Hasn't the Salt Lake Valley blossomed when it was once a desert? John Taylor said, In relation to events that will yet take place, and the kind of trials, troubles, and sufferings which we have, which we shall have to cope with, it is to me a matter of very little moment. These things are in the hands of God. He dictates the affairs of the human family and directs and controls our affairs. And the great thing that we as a people have to do is seek after and cleave unto our God, to be in close affinity with him, and to seek for his guidance and his blessing, and Holy Spirit to lead and guide us in the right path. Then it matters not what it is nor who it is that we have to contend with, God will give us strength according to our day. Verse 8, Is there not enough room on the on the mountains of Adam on Diamon, and on the plains of Aloha Shinaha, or the land where Adam dwelt, that you should covet that which is but the drop, and neglect the more weighty matters? 
Joseph Fielding Smith said, The plains of Olaha Shinaha, or the place where Adam dwelt, must be a part of or in the vicinity of Adam on Diamond. This name, Olaha Shinaha, may be, in all probability, is from the language of Adam. We may, without great controversy, believe that this is the name which Adam gave to this place. At least we may venture this as a probable guess. Shinaha, according to the book of Abraham, is the name given to the son. Elder Jan M. Shodal, commenting on the name Olaha Shinaha, has said, Shinaha means sun, and Olaha is probably a variant of the word Olea, which is the moon. If so, the plains of Olaha Shinaha would be the plains of the moon and the sun, so-called perhaps because of astronomical observations made there. We learn from the writings of Moses that the Lord revealed to the ancients great knowledge concerning the stars and Abraham by revelations, and through the Urim and Thummim received wonderful information concerning the heavens and the governing planets or stars. It was also revealed by the prophet Joseph Smith that Methuselah was acquainted with the stars as were others of the antediluvian prophets, including Adam. So it may be reasonable that here in this valley important information was made known anciently in relation to the stars of our universe. Those who sought to hold on to their property in Kirtland when the Lord had commanded them to move to Zion risked losing something so uh, of far greater value than the property they held. Spencer W. Kimball taught, One man I know of was, was called to a position of service in the church, but he felt that he couldn't accept because his investments required more attention and more of his time than he could spare for the Lord's work. He left the service of the Lord in search of mammon, and he is a millionaire today. But I recently learned an interesting fact. If a man owns a million dollars worth of gold at today's prices, he possesses approximately one twenty-seven billionth of all the gold that is present in the earth's thin crust alone. This is an amount so small in proportion as to be inconceivable to the mind of man. But there is more to this. The Lord who created and has power over all the earth created many other earths as well, even worlds without number. And when this man received this oath and covenant, the oath and covenant of the priesthood, he received a promise from the Lord of all that my father hath. To set aside all these great promises in favor of a chest of gold and a sense of carnal security is a mistake in perspective of colossal proportions. To think that he has settled for so little is a saddening and pitiful prospect indeed. The souls of men are far more precious than this. Verse 9, Therefore come up hither unto the land of my people, even Zion. Let my servant William Marks be faithful over a few things, and he shall be a ruler over many. Let him preside in the midst of my people in the city of far west, and let him be blessed with the blessings of my people. William Marks was called to serve as president of the Far West Missouri Stake. However, before he arrived in Missouri, the Saints were being driven out by the state militia under Governor Lilburn W. Boggs' extermination order. Elder Marks was later called to serve as president of the stake in Nauvoo. Unfortunately, he allied himself with Sidney Rigdon in his false claims to guardianship of the church after the martyrdom of the prophet and his brother Hiram. In his in his apostasy, Elder Marks wandered among various groups that had broken away from the church and was still outside the kingdom at the time of his death in 1872. Verse 11, Let my servant Newell K. Whitney be ashamed of the Nicolaitan band and of all their secret abominations and of all his littleness of soul before me saith the Lord, and come up to the land of Adam on Diamond and be a bishop unto my people, saith the Lord, not in name but in deed, saith the Lord. <clears throat> in the revelation of the Apostle John, the Nicolaitans are identified as those that cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. 
These abominations were in direct contradictions to the counsel issued to the, to the new Gentile converts by Peter and the apostles at the conference at Antioch. As stated earlier, the saints in Kirtland had been counseled to remove to Missouri. Bishop Whitney remained behind to secure his property. Thus, he put his desires to retain his property above the Lord's command to gather speedily to far west. <clears throat> in so doing, he took the same course of opposing the counsel of the presiding authority of the church that the Nicolaitans had pursued in the first century after Christ. Because of his tardiness in arriving in Missouri, his calling as bishop at Adamondiamon was never fulfilled. As with his equally tardy companion, William Marks, Brother Whitney arrived in Missouri only to find the saints being driven from the state. This expression, uh, the littleness of his soul, was directed to the lack of faith and spiritual strength on the part of Bishop Whitney in remaining behind in Kirtland, Ohio, to regulate his business instead of heeding the Lord's call to come to Missouri. Joseph Smith wrote the following in his journal regarding Bishop Newell K. Whitney, giving insight into Brother Whitney's weaknesses and strengths. <clears throat> Blessed of the Lord is Brother Whitney, even the bishop of the Church of Latter-day Saints. For the bishopric shall never be taken away from him while he liveth, and the time cometh that he shall overcome all the narrow-mindedness of his heart and all his covetous desires that so easily beset him. And he shall deal with a liberal hand to the poor and the needy, the sick and afflicted, the widow and the fatherless. And marvelously and miraculously shall the Lord his God provide for him, even that he shall be blessed with the fullness of the good things of this earth." and his seed after him from generation to generation. And it shall come to pass that according to the measure that he meted out with a liberal hand to the poor, so shall it be measured to him again by the hand of his God, even an hundredfold. I was noticing as I was reading that, that that's a prophecy that Joseph Smith gave. Uh, do you know how many prophecies Joseph gave in his lifetime? I read a thing by uh, John A. Whitso that said that Joseph Smith made about 1,400 prophecies. That's a lot. <clears throat> Remember also, it doesn't matter where in the church we serve, but how we serve. Verse 12, And again I say unto you, I remember my servant Oliver Granger. Behold, verily I say unto him, that his name shall be had in sacred remembrance from generation to generation forever and ever, saith the Lord. The prophet Joseph Smith fled from Kirtland, Ohio, without being able to settle the debts he had incurred there. He wrote, As I was driven away from Kirtland without the privilege of settling my business, I had previous to this employed Colonel Oliver Granger as my agent to close all my affairs in the East, and as I have been accused of running away, cheating my creditors, and so on, I will insert one of the many cards and letters I have received from gentlemen who have had the, the best opportunity of knowing my business transactions and whose testimony comes unsolicited. <clears throat> A card, Painesville, October 19, 1838. We, the undersigned, being personal acquaintances of Oliver Granger, firmly believe that the course which he has pursued in settling the claims, accounts, etc., against the former citizen of Kirtland Township, has done much credit to himself and all others that committed to him the care of, of adjusting their business with, it, with, his, with this community, which also furnishes evidence that there was no intention on their part of defrauding their creditors. Signed, Thomas Griffith, John S. Seymour. The service that Oliver Granger rendered to put his business talents to work on behalf of the First Presidency later led to another blessing. At a conference held at Quincy, Illinois, on the 4th through the 6th of May, 1839, he was appointed to go to Kirtland and take the charge and oversight of the House of the Lord and preside over the general affairs of the church in that place. 
In an expression of gratitude, the First Presidency wrote a letter of recommendation for Brother Granger. We have always found President Oliver Granger to be a man of the most strict integrity and moral virtue, and in fine, to be a man of God. We have had long experience and acquaintance with Brother Granger. <clears throat> we have entrusted vast business concerns to him, which have been managed skillfully to the support of our characters and interests as well as that of the Church. And he is now authorized by a general conference to go forth and engage in vast and important concerns as an agent for the Church that he may fill a station of usefulness and obedience to the commandment of God which was given unto him on the 8th of July, 1838, which says, Let him, meaning Brother Granger, contend earnestly for the redemption of the first presidency of my church, saith the Lord. Verse 13, Therefore let him contend earnestly for the redemption of the first presidency of my church, saith the Lord, and when he falls he shall rise again, for his sacrifice shall be more sacred unto me than his increase, saith the Lord. Oliver Granger performed a great service in settling the financial affairs of the first presidency and thus restoring their good name. His sacrifice shall be more sacred unto me than his increase. Being a man of sound business sense and reputation, Oliver Granger might have become a very wealthy man. The sacrifice of opportunity for wealth made by his servants is known to the Lord. As the Lord assured Oliver Granger, his sacrifice shall be more sacred unto me than his increase, so it is true in the lives of countless others in the church today. Their worth to the Lord is in that which they have given up, not that which they have accumulated. Verse 14, <clears throat> Therefore let him come up hither speedily unto the land of Zion, and in the due time he shall be made a merchant unto my name, saith the Lord, for the benefit of my people. Therefore let no man despise my servant Oliver Granger, but let the blessings of my people be on him forever and ever. And again, verily I say unto you, let all my servants in the land of Kirtland remember the Lord their God in mine house also, to keep and preserve it holy, and to overthrow the money changers in mine own due time, saith the Lord, even so. Amen. I bear testimony that this is a revelation received by the prophet Joseph Smith, and uh, this was for those specific brothers, but there's lots in here that pertains to us. Uh, that uh, even though we might fall economically, our sacrifice will be, will be blessed and uh, favored of the Lord. I bear that testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.